0: This is episode number four with Anna Janone. Welcome to The Marriage Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Price, international marriage interventionist and best-selling co-author of Success Breakthroughs. On this show, I provide innovative solutions for marital success, by focusing on personal development and relationship transformation. Every week, I'll be talking with thought leaders from around the world, and we'll be providing your weekly dose of wisdom so you can catapult yourselves to marital success and true life fulfillment. I ask you to love one another, encourage and support each other, and live with passion. Are you ready? Here we go. Anna Janone is founder of Co-Parenting and Harmony. She's a two-time international best-selling author, certified master coach practitioner in co-parenting, motivational speaker, and contributor to HuffPost and Thrive Global. She's also a wife, stepmom, and passionate co-parent in her blended family. Anna helps co-parents raise well-adjusted, resilient, and resourceful children in a two-home concept from little ones to young, beautiful adults, without
1: ongoing conflicts. Anna, welcome to The Marriage Show. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Glad to be here. And I admire what you're doing, uh, helping people with their marriages, because marriage does matter.
0: Oh, thank you. It's definitely my passion. and. My goal in life to save millions of marriages worldwide. I'm just like you, very passionate about about what I'm doing. What is love to you? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it represent? Tell us what love means to you.
1: What love means to me, it's uh, unconditional love. Really, accepting the other person for who they are as accepting myself for who I am with no limitations. And it's not easy accepting the other person for who they are. And it's not easy to accept yourself. So it's to fill up your cup. It's really to fill up your love cup and accepting who you really are and accepting your partner for who he or she is. This is what love is to me. It's unconditional love.
0: Anna, I'd like to know... Why co-parenting instead of being a coach to parents who are together? What inspired you to dedicate your life to helping divorced parents with co-parenting?
1: Well, Jennifer, in my sad experience of growing up, I was confronted with situation no child should have to deal with. That being said, I'm on a mission to help divorced parents navigate the tricky terrain of co-parenting and to end all the drama and start living more freely and fully as who they really are as parents and their children's well-being as well.
0: Beautiful. We've talked before. We're friends. I know that you experienced a lot of trauma in your childhood because of your parents' divorce and the lack of successful co-parenting. So I commend you on your own healing and your decision to dedicate your life to teaching co-parents how to raise their children in harmony. My definition of greatness and success are one and the same, and that is taking a pain and turning it into your purpose. And that's exactly what you've done. So I commend you for all of that. And tell us, for the listeners, what exactly is co-parenting after divorce?
1: Well, thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate that. Co parenting after divorce simply means that a child has two parents who are no longer in an intimate spousal relationship, not living in the same home. However, they still continue to parent and raise their children together, hopefully amicably, in two separate homes.
0: And I know it's very, what you're doing is well needed. I know that there are a lot of co parents out there who have no idea what they're doing, and they're terrified of, you know, screwing their children up and creating traumatic situations for them. So I think this is going to be a really excellent talk today. Tell me, why is it so difficult for divorced or separated parents to co-parent?
1: Very good question. Well, the main reasons, the way I see it and the way I have heard it from many of the co-parents, it's, it's all about resentment. It's the strongest anchors that sink us back to the past. It's their state of pain that prevents them from seeing beyond who treated them wrongly, unjustly, and unfairly. It's also, Jennifer, the feelings of sadness, the fear, anger that converts into distrust with the co-parent. And they are still emotionally attached of memories of the past. So that's why it's difficult for them to co-parent. Mm. And also, they have a hard time to move past their resentment. That's what makes them having a hard time to move past their resentments.
0: Yeah, and I can see how that would cause a lot of parents to kind of enter into this battle of control. What I see with my couples sometimes is it becomes less about the actual situation and less about the outcome as much as it is about who wins this fight, who wins this war, and unfortunately, The children are the ones who suffer the most. So how can co-parents move past these resentments?
1: What I strongly suggest them and try to teach them is to emotionally detach from being, from spouse partners. And another example I can give here, an example is switch in language, which helps co-parents to emotionally detach is not use the term my ex, because my has a connotation of something belonging to me, me And by doing so, parents will still want to control the other parent. So what I suggest my clients that they need to start today to switch in the language. And when referring to the child's other parent, to other people, or to even their child, they can say the father of the mother of my child, your dad or your mom. And this will surely help to detach emotionally. And the conversations will be much more relaxed. It does have a positive feel. And it does shift the focus from past to present. Now, also, this will eventually break old habits and will release the connection that you have, that the parents have, towards anger and resentment. And the most important one is to shift mindset to parent partners only. You are no longer compatible as spouse partners, but you may become compatible as amazing parents.
0: That's beautiful. And I love what you said about switching your language from saying my ex husband, my ex wife, my ex to the father or mother of my child. But I think, too, for listeners, it's really important to be mindful of your tone of voice because there's a really big difference between saying Susie's father and then saying, oh, Susie's father. You know, huge, huge difference. And one can breed love and peace and the other can breed even more resentment, right? So I think it's uh, really important for parents to be mindful of their tone of voice when they're speaking of the other parent as well. Now, unfortunately, separation and divorce obviously happen. And even more unfortunate, the children experience this and they're the ones who suffer the most. But, you know, I've been following you and your work for a while and I agree with you. Obviously, parents are parents for life. So Tell us what healthy, successful co-parenting does look like.
1: Well, successful co-parenting should look like avoid ongoing conflicts, especially in front of your child at all costs, to establish a business relationship with the co-parent, meaning focus on the best interest of your child, avoid hurtful conversation, stick to the facts only. Change your expectation, not wanting to control the other parent. Work as a team. Control your anger. I always say to my clients, give yourself time to vent. Do not if the other parent has triggered something, do not immediate response. Wait and then after give your response on another time. Be supportive of the other parent's role in your child's life. Like I said earlier, you're not you're no longer good or amazing love partners but you do that. it doesn't mean that you're not good parents together resolve feelings and issues regarding the other parent let go of anger and hurt move forward it's important for you and it's important for your child also i suggest to my clients take responsibility for communicating with your child's other parent inform them of school functions of other important details don't keep it to yourself And be flexible and willing to compromise. Be open to changes in agreements. That's going to serve your child's best interest as well. And it's going to set a good example for your child because they see their parents that are willing to work together, that are willing to work things out. These are good examples for the child as well. Yeah, I agree.
0: And when I'm working with couples, obviously I'm working with couples who are married, But I like what you said about you don't have to respond immediately. And that's something that I'm always telling my couples, too. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like with co-parenting, the same would hold true in the sense that if one approaches the other to discuss a topic and, you know, a compromise or a decision can't be made immediately, it's okay, And not just to not respond immediately, but it's okay to actually say, you know what, I need some time to process this and and think it over can i get back to you tomorrow can i get back to you in 2 days can i call you later tonight and that way but you always want to put a time frame on it is what i recommend my couples because then it doesn't make the other parent think that you're trying to push this away or ignore it or not deal with it you're you're willing to you just want a little bit of time to process and think about it do you agree with that yes
1: i agree because we're not trying to be the avoider here we're just trying to Take time, take deep breaths and think about how we're going to reply. And then after, like you said, tell the other parent that you're going to reply within a 24 hour or like you said, tonight or tomorrow morning or whatever. But do reply within 24 hours.
0: Yes, yes. You have to honor your word. Yeah, you have to honor your word and, and definitely come back within that time frame. I also liked what you said about communicating with the other partner, letting them know what's going on in the child's life, alerting them to different functions, and being willing to compromise and be flexible. Because I think when you show these particular characteristics in your co-parenting, it's going to allow the other parent to feel your respect and your appreciation of them and their significance. And I think that when they feel respected and when they feel significant in your eyes, then it's going to put them in a position where they're more willing and more likely to communicate and be flexible and willing to compromise as well. Do you see that trend when you're working with your co-parents?
1: Of course, that is the most important thing. We all want to be seen and we all want to be heard and we all want to be valued and we all want to know that we are the other parent's child. You know, there's not only one parent, there's two parents. When you conceive this child, it was two So it's very important that we also give the validation or help them feel that they're validated, that they are part of their child's life. They're both part of their child's life. Yes, I totally agree with you, Jennifer.
0: With all this talk of resentment and bitterness, I do have another question for you. You hear so many people say that you have to be friends to be able to co-parent successfully. Do you have to be friends? Is this true?
1: No, no, Jennifer. Friendship is not necessary. However, there are elements that are necessary to co-parent successfully. Again, I will repeat myself. Get out of the past. Let go of past hurt. You need to look forward. Stay out of competition. It's not about who's the favorite parent here. Learn to compromise and flexibility. Very important thing to do, very important factor. Consistency, consistency promotes stability. Not only promotes stability for the child, but also for the parents as well. And mutual respect, as we said earlier, it's very important. Establishing healthy boundaries within the relationship. That's also very important. Develop, develop new communication skills. You no longer can speak to each other like spouse partners, you need to speak to each other now as co-parents, as parent partners only. Be solution-oriented, capacity to collaborate and problem solve. It's important that both parents are involved in big decisions. Like I said earlier, school, college, medical issues. It's very important that both parents take these decisions together. You know, Jennifer, it's all about going back to basics, being civil, being respectful. Follow through on your words, stick to what you say and having the same parenting values to have a good balance within the family. I think it's worth repeating yet one more time, and that
0: is get out of the past. You know, whatever happened two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, even if it was last year, if you're no longer together, you're trying to co-parent, you really do have to let go of the past because it's not the present. You're not in that situation anymore anymore. And I think for people to really focus on the past is really focusing on themselves, not focusing on the children, but they're focusing on themselves. That's the one message that I would like to get out there to all co-parents is this is not about you, right? It's about the children. So you've Mm -hmm. gotta let go of the past. You've gotta focus on the present moment. You've gotta focus on what's best for the children and then move on. Anna, you said something just a second ago, having the same values. Co-parents need to have the same values. And I don't, unfortunately, I don't see that a lot. And I think this raises a really important point is, you know, what do you do with if that doesn't exist? For example, what if one parent has no boundaries in their home, they have no boundaries and no rules, and they allow their child or their children to do whatever they want. But then the other parent does have boundaries and they do have rules. I see this as confusing for children. Children don't know what to do. They think, well, I can do this at mom's. Why can't I do this at dad's? Then they get mad at one and they throw a fit with the other. So what do you recommend to parents who do have different parenting beliefs?
1: Yeah, well, that's that's a difficult one. I mean, what I strongly suggest to my clients is, listen, what happened before when you both were together in the family? You both have the same parenting values. Maybe sometimes it differed, but these values shouldn't change. Even if you're separated or you're divorced, you should still have the same parenting beliefs that you had before once you were together as a spousal uh, partners, relationship, right? But however, it changes. Sadly to say, it does change. So, what I strongly suggest is parents need to be consistent in their routines, they need to be clear on the rules. Now, like I said, it will differ, but Hopefully not like a big gap. You know, It could differ a little percentage, but not a big gap because it's very important for the child as well. So, And parents need to respect each other's rules in each other's house. You have no control what's going on in the other house, so don't try to control. Strongly suggest be a positive role model. Stay attentive to your child. Be emotionally attuned. This plays a critical role in healthy child development. Parents need to meet the other parent at least halfway to see the good. Remember we're not doing this to become a favorite parent we're doing this to help our child we're here to help our child become a resilient, resourceful kid in a two home family concept we're here to help our child we're here to help raising them to be well adjusted. You know do you understand what I'm saying Jennifer oh yeah
0: yeah you know i have I have parents who come to me and the couples that I work with are married, but many times this is their second marriage. They're co-parenting with their ex, and they're always asking me, what do I say to my child or, or to my children? What do I say to them when they come to me and they say, you know, I'm not allowed to do this over there or at my other parent's house, I'm allowed to do that there, but I can't do it here. Why can't I do what I want wherever I go? So... What types of things can parents say to their children to let them know, yes, there's differences between me and your other parent, there's differences in the way that we believe, our parenting skills, the rules that are enforced in the home, but what can they say to their children to, to help their children find balance but also not end up resenting either them or the other parent?
1: Well, it's about rules and it's about respecting rules. And we're here to teach our children that they have to respect rules because there's rules all over the places in work, in a work environment, outside on the street when you're driving the car. And it happened to us. So when my bonus Sam came, he says, well, I'm allowed to stay out late at mom's place and I don't have a curfew and I'm allowed to do this and I'm allowed to do that. I said, fine. That's what happens at mom's place, what happens at dad's place, at our place. These are the rules and you need to respect the rules because if the parents cannot be on the same page when it comes to rules, then we need to teach our kids to respect rules in one place, in one house and in the other house. And anyways, it teaches them to adapt rules later on in life when they're, like I said, in the workforce or when you're driving your car, you know, there's all kinds of rules everywhere that they need to respect. So we're teaching them respecting rules in one house and in the other house. And if it creates conflict between the child and you, well, you try to make them understand, listen, this is how it works at mom's house. This is how it works at dad's house. I understand, you know, you you don't like it. I understand it frustrates you, but these are the rules. So you don't blame the other parent because when you blame the other parent, it creates conflict, it creates ongoing conflict. So what you do is you have a discussion with your child. Mm,
0: So it really all boils down to just teaching children... To respect. respect. Yeah, 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 to be respectful. in obedience, as long as it's moral and it's not gonna hurt hurt them. Yeah, I, I love that. So I've read some of your articles and I've heard you talk about conflict of
1: loyalty. What is that? Well, this is what I live, this is what I went through. Conflict of loyalty is when parents pull on their child and makes them take sides and model questionable behavior. Example bad-mouthing, bad-mouthing the other parent in front of the child. That's going to hurt the the child and it's going to hurt the other parent because the child sees 50-50 of themselves of their parent, they see 50 of mommy within me and 50 of daddy within me so when you bad mouth the other parent in front of your child, it hurts them it hurts the child, their self esteem gets hurt, their self confidence it's using their child against each other child feels stuck in the middle and then child, like I said, child lacks self esteem, self confidence they become fearful, then they need to be on pills, antidepressant then they develop ADD and then later on it's to drugs and into alcohol and then the child manifests this behavior, among all that. So a reminder to parents, children love both parents. Parents need to protect that love. That's why it's important for me to shine a light on our children who are suffering in silence as I did. So to help co-parents get on the path of co-parenting in harmony, please do not put the child in the middle of your battles. It's adult issues. It has nothing to do with the child. If anything is going on between you and your former spouse, Don't put the children in the middle of this. That's what conflict of loyalty is about.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a new term for me, but it makes sense and I like it. I know a guy whose parents divorced when he was three and anytime he and his siblings would return back to the mothers after having visited the father's house, she would not speak to the children at all for two to three days because she was so angry at the children for having been at the father's house. The young man, the man that I know grew up to, he loves his mother dearly, but he has very little respect for women in general. That's a really damaging effect to for kids to endure having to suffer through this conflict of loyalty that you talk about. So well thank you for explaining
1: that. It's very destructive, uh, Jennifer, and eventually they they will resent their parents later on. Now you have control over them when they're young, but later on they will resent you. Your children will will resent you if you put them in the middle of this conflict of loyalty.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. It really breaks my heart to know that children suffer because parents are selfish and don't have the self-control necessary to not behave this way. I understand that the parents are acting out in pain, but at some point you really have to stop putting the focus on you and yourself and what you've been through and put that focus on the child's welfare instead. All the necessary elements that you listed a few minutes ago are a lot for one person to implement all at once. And I can see how co-parents, when all of this is new for them and the pain is still there, the resentment is still there, I can see how all the elements that you just listed could be very overwhelming to them, especially if they're new to this and still in that pain, right? So if you had to narrow it down to the three most important elements that co-parents could start working on immediately that would have the, you know, the most benefit on their ability to co-parent successfully and on the child's welfare, what would those top three most important elements be?
1: Well, what I strongly suggest and what I help my clients and what I, I help them build, really what I start with first saying to them is focus on being child centered. It's your child's well-being. The number one. Number two is build a business-like relationship, creating alliances, you know, collaborate as a team. Stay calm, polite, diplomatic, stay to the facts, stick to the facts. And number three, which is very important, is shift in mindset. Transition from spouse partners to co-parents only. You are no longer spouse partners now. You can't talk to each other like you used to talk to each other. Now you talk to each other as parents, as co-parents only. This is what I strongly suggest, and this is what I help them to have amazing outcomes in their family, in their new family lifestyle, I should say.
0: I like that build a business like relationship. And that concept, we can go more into this and we will at the end of our conversation today, but just briefly for for those of you who don't understand what that means. I, I recommend this to my couples as well, especially when they are trying to sit down and discuss finances. I recommend they go out of the house, maybe to a coffee shop or somewhere public where they're not, they're not as likely to let their anger or frustration show as much, but to sit down and and have a business-like meeting. And what that is, is is you kind of turn emotions off and you look at your finances in a very business-like way. And so how that correlates here with co-parenting would be the same thing. Have a sit-down, professional, business-like type of meeting. And if you don't really know what that means or what that looks like, what you should discuss, how you should discuss it, then I really suggest bringing in a mediator, someone like Anna, who can guide you through and teach you how to do all this. And so we'll we'll get to that at the end, Anna, where we can talk about how people, you know, what that looks like, you working with people, what it looks like and how they can be. But I've heard a lot of parenting experts say, focus on what truly matters for your child's well-being. Tell the listeners what exactly this means and what it looks like
1: while they're co-parenting focus on what truly matters for your child well-being means and what it looks like really in a co-parenting means that you need to shift your attention away from what each parent wants or is giving up. You know, you need to love your child as much as possible towards an action. We need to reassure our children that they will be safe and we will protect them from conflict. We need to protect them from conflict. We need to let both parents continue And to provide to the best interest of their ability that they are good parents. You know, just because, like I said, it didn't work in the marriage doesn't mean that they're not good parents. We need to let our children love freely. It's okay that they love mom and it's okay that they love dad. And it's okay that they can love others within the mix because eventually the dad and the mom will have new partners. We do need to listen to our children. We need to honor their feelings without judging them. You know, children do well when they see their parents communicate, as I said earlier, with each other. We need to support the children's relationship with the other parents. Like I said, both parents need to be involved in the child's life activities, decision making. That's very important. It's a very important factor here. We do need to reinforce children that they are members in two homes and don't make them feel guilty that uh, you know this is uh, this is not your real home or or uh, we have a better home for you we shouldn't do that they both have beautiful amazing safe environment homes we need to give child opportunity to develop an extended family identity. They will have bonus parents like stepmoms, stepdads, step siblings. I don't call them steps, I call them bonuses because they're bonuses. We need to help children recognize the other parents' birthdays, special occasions, holiday, gift cards. Try to do that together. Did you, you know, if they're young, did you do a birthday card for your dad? Did you or your mom? Did you draw a birthday card for your dad? It's your dad's birthday next week, or your mom's birthday. Remind them. Let them have a decent relationship with you parent. Aid child's healthy emotional development. This will aid the child's healthy emotional development. And the child will not feel divided, will not have divided loyalties towards each parent. We need to be acceptant of bonus parents. The new partners need to accept the ex. Well, I don't like to say the ex, but the former spouse needs to accept the new partner that will become a new spouse eventually, for sure. Demonstrate positive conflict resolution do provide your children with discipline. It's only normal, as well as love. They need parents to provide them with structure and limits, like you did before when you were both married. That stays the same. It doesn't change because you're divorced. You know, you know what I'm saying, Jennifer? It doesn't change because you're divorced. So keep the same structure, keep the same limit, keep the same discipline. Mm-hmm. I
0: like what you said in the very beginning about how the focus should not be on what the parents want and what the parents are giving up. And I think that's something to really comment on is don't focus on what you're giving up. Focus on what the child is getting instead. And that is, you know, two homes with loving parents and eventually the bonus parents, which is even more love. And that can be a really beautiful thing as well. I want to ask you, I really like this term, bonus parents, instead of step, you know, stepmother, stepfather, you have a bonus father, a bonus mother. That's really a a beautiful term. I like that. And I've never heard it before. Is that, you know, true to Canadian culture or is this around the world? And I've just never heard it before.
1: I don't know if I heard it on the television or I read about it. I think I read about it, and I just love the term because I find it brings up more respect. It brings up more of uh, it's like when you say stepmom or stepdad or stepkid. I find it creates a wall between them. I find there's there's a limit that we can't cross. Yeah, division. Yeah, exactly. However, when we say bonus, hey, it's an addition. It's an addition to the family. You know, a bonus mom, a bonus dad, a bonus child, my bonus son, he's an addition. He's my son, really. You know, it's not because the DNA makes a difference. So I find it really, it changes their perspective. It really shifts the mindset and it breaks down the barriers. It's easier to love. It's easier to accept. It's easier to blend in. So I really like the term bonus. I do too. I love it. I love it. I really like the bonus. Yeah. It it breaks down the barriers, you know?
0: It does. And it takes takes a hard situation and, and helps make it beautiful as well. I want to talk about conflict resolution because this is something that I work a lot with married couples all over the world. I teach a lot on conflict resolution, conflict management. What do co-parents need to know about conflict resolution so that they can co-parent successfully? Because the dynamics of teaching conflict resolution or conflict management to two people that are married and on the same team I think would be slightly different than teaching conflict resolution to people who are no longer on the same team, you know, who are now separated or divorced. So what do they need to know? What can you say to them about conflict resolution?
1: Well, what I have is five main principles of conflict resolution for co-parenting. I strongly suggest, number one, again, number one, focusing on the well-being of the child. Child needs only. Number two. Transparency and honesty. The real thing, don't don't invent things. Say it like it is, tell it like it is. Communication clearly, child-related only. Cooperation, collaboration, respect, integrity and dignity, parents and child. And number five, the fifth one, committing to resolving matters. Be solution-oriented you have children, there's issues. It's all about the kids. Let's find a solution. Let's meet each other halfway. Let's, you know, let's be solution oriented. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And again, if you can't, if you can't do it on your own, if couples are having a really difficult time, not couples, but co-parents, if they are having a really difficult time resolving these matters, they need to bring in a mediator, someone to teach them and help them, someone like you. I think it's really most difficult for divorced and separated parents to co-parent successfully when trust has been broken in trust in any way, whether it was infidelity or if there was an addiction to something, you know, anything like that breaks the trust because now you have one parent who is fearful of what the child is either going to see or experience when they're with that parent. So when trust has been broken, how do these couples rebuild trust with their ex-partner in order to co-parent in harmony?
1: Well, you know, trust, it's hard to gain. It's easily broken very fast. So in order to regain their trust is what we need to start doing, what co-parents need to start doing is keep your promise, keep your word, be honest and openly at what's going on. You know, make an agreement that your child's needs are not left unmet to the other parent because this is what hurts a lot the other parent when you don't follow through your word and stick to what you say. If you have a co parenting plan, stick to the co parenting plan. Be consistent because consistency, like I said earlier, it builds stress and stability. You know, speak respectfully about the other parent, leave the negative emotions out. Remember, you are both adults still raising kids, children here. So continue to work together as co-parents only you need to be considerate of the other parent, inform them about the school functions. Like I mentioned earlier, be flexible with your schedule, put the kids first, keep trying, even if it's difficult, even if the other parent doesn't want it to collaborate because there are parents who just don't want to collaborate. Well, you know, just keep trying. Stay civil. It will get easier. It will. I always say, listen, listen twice as much as you speak.
0: Yeah, two ears and one mouth,
1: right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Allow the other parent to be heard. Take in their point of view. It's only a point of view, you know. Come to a mutual understanding. Meet each other halfway. You're both parents. I, yeah, I think that. I think that point right there
0: is really, really important because so many times with pain and bitterness and resentment a parent will find themselves in a position where they don't even want to hear what the other parent has to say. And here's the thing. At one point in your life, you loved that other person. You respected that other person and you valued their opinion. But because of hurt and pain, people get to a point where they no longer value their opinion. They think everything that other person is going to say is stupid or bad or unnecessary. And that's one point that I just I really want to kind of call to everyone's attention is to really listen to you on this point because at one point you did value their opinion and they might have a perspective that you don't have. They might be seeing behavior and different things from your child that you're not seeing. So they might actually have a good idea.
1: Yeah, and listening doesn't mean approval. You know, listen to each other. Yeah, and show restraint. Train yourself not to be too emotional or not to overact, especially in front of your child. You know, if there's an opinion, don't overreact. Just take deep breaths. You know, okay, listen, let me think about it. If it triggers something, and I'll get back to you. Ask for his or her opinion. I mean, he, he or she is the other parent. Show respect and appreciation for the other parent. Allow the other parent to participate, like I said earlier, in decision-making. Show you trust and value their contribution. He or she is the parent, is the father or the mother of your child. Even though you can't stand their face, they still are the parent. (laughs) You know what I mean? It happens often. I can't stand them or I can't stand her. Yeah, but I'm sorry, but he or she is still the parent. Affirm the other parents' relationship again, like I said, with your child, that they are important in their life, what it means to them, what it means to you. You know, witnessing the development of their bond and connection. Like I said, it's not about being the favorite parent because, oh, well, now it works great. Fine, they're young. But wait later on, they're going to resent you. They're going to resent you for that. So don't play that game. Don't visualize a positive future. That's what I always do, that's what I did. And that's what I suggest. It's a powerful tool. Focus on the good. I always focus on the good in our relationship. Create an image in the mind, how collaboration looks like as equals. You're both equals. You know what I mean? Mom and dad, you're both equal. And most important, love your child. He or she has nothing to do with your divorce or the other parents, whatever that you don't like about him or her. It's not about the child, you know, it's about you living with yourself, loving yourself. So you're able to move forward in this co-parenting and harmony relationship.
0: I think co-parenting also really requires a huge dose of humility and yes. accountability because, you know, when you're in these situations, a couple of these points, you said, you know, allow the other parent to participate, even even if it's not their you know, their designated time to spend time with the child, allowing them to come and participate in something. And then also, you know, asking for their opinion and having them help you make decisions. And then also holding yourself accountable. And and that is the acknowledgement to the other co-parent that I'm not always the perfect mom. I'm not always going to make the best decisions. You know, I'm not perfect. We all make mistakes. So holding yourself accountable, all of these things require humility. And, I find with my couples that I work with, if they can get themselves to a place of humility where they're holding themselves accountable, where they are genuinely respecting their partner and showing signs of appreciation so that the other person feels significant, then a lot of these things you're talking about are going to actually flow much easier. You made a comment that we haven't talked about yet, and you said that in order to co-parent successfully... Co-parents need to stick to their co-parenting plan. So tell us briefly, what is a co-parenting plan and how do co-parents come up with this plan?
1: Well, a co-parenting plan is when there's a really high conflict and they just can't talk to each other. And it's really, they just cannot get on the same page and don't get it. So this co-parenting plan, it helps the parents to establish everything. There's everything on the plan. It's about the school. It's about college. It's about medical issues. It's about who's going to take decisions. It's about the holidays, the vacation. Really, it's about everything about what parents need to do about the child. Now, this is written on a the plan. They establish both parents, put in their opinions or not opinions, but what they really want out of this plan, and they follow this plan. And don't deviate from it. They can't because they cannot talk to each other. They just can't stand each other. And it just won't work. So in order to avoid these conflicts, they stick to this co-parenting plan. And this helps a lot by sticking to this co-parenting plan. Well, they can move forward and everything is in the plan. So when college comes along, you know, they won't get into the argument, well, you're going to pay. Cause you're the mom or you're the dad. No, you're going to pay. No, it's already established from the beginning. Who's paying, how much, you know, it's all about the money thing. It's really, really an in-depth plan, which is very good, which I strongly suggest. And I help also co-parents build this co-parenting plan as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see how that would really come in handy in in high stress situations. So you help co-parents develop this plan. Tell us a little bit about what you do as a co-parenting coach, and how you help families co-parent
1: successfully? Well, I guide them, Jennifer, I guide them through the transition, really, from spouse partners to co-parents. This is is very important, because when they're divorced, they still think that they're uh, spouse partners, you know, because they have a tendency my ex, my ex-wife, my ex-husband. So it's really, first thing, I guide them through the transition from being spouse partners to co-parents only. I help them understand that their children's needs as they navigate the loss and the change of divorce and to restore a sense of family. You can still have a sense of family. You know, it doesn't mean it's broken. There's are still a mom, there's still a dad, and they're still children. So it's to help them restore this sense of family, even in a two-home concept. It's to guide and shift the parent's mindset about co-parenting. It's really to end suffering and conflicts. And so both parents need and understand that must stay involved in their child's life. It's to help them resolve the conflicts, and it's to build, to help them build and establish a business-like relationship. It's to teach them to work together in the best interest of their child, teammates. It's to teach them protocols that work in two-home families, because it's not a cookie cutter for everyone. eh? It all depends the family dynamic. My, my biggest thing is to help them achieve outstanding outcomes to have a harmonious family life. It's to help them develop also, like I said, develop a, a parenting plan. And also what's very important is to teach them how to introduce a new partner to their children.
0: Mm, that can be really stressful. So I want to touch for just a moment on this whole business relationship thing again, because I think I can, I can imagine a lot of parents out there, especially mothers, probably more so than fathers, having kind of a bad taste in their mouth when they hear the term, create a business partnership with your ex over your children. I can imagine a lot of mothers rolling their eyes. And, uh, and saying, no, you know, my child is not a business endeavor. Why do I need a business relationship? And I just wanted to touch on that for just a moment, because I think it's not really that you're treating your child like a business or a business endeavor, but it's more a sense of behaving in a business-like, professional-like manner with your co-parent, with the other parent, right?
1: I'll add something to that. First of all, it's not my child. It's our child, remember the my, like I said earlier, it's our child. And this business relationship thing is is about you both have a common project, raising well-adjusted children, resilient, resourceful children. So this is their, your common project. You know, I used to work on projects before a long, long time ago, my corporate world. It's about bringing people together and it's about everyone working for the same goal. So this is is the same thing. We're the same goal, the same project. What is our project? Is raising this beautiful child to become a beautiful adult so he or she can thrive in their childhood and in their adulthood so they won't pass on these hurtful and damaging and destructive emotions into his or her new relationship. So this business relationship thing that we need to focus on, you both have a common project, you're both raising this beautiful child, this is the business-like relationship that we need to focus on. Am I making sense
0: here? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I definitely do. I just wanted to clarify for listeners, because I can see a lot of women out there rolling their eyes and saying, you know, my my child's not a, a business endeavor, but it's it's not really about the child as much as it is about your behavior and the way you handle things with the co-parent. You know, it's it's you want to be more business-like, more professional-like in your dealings with them instead of allowing emotions.
1: Uh, To come into it and rule you. Yeah, because it has to do with your language. Having a business-like relationship is also a change in language. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Wow, Anna. You have given us so much great information today on how to co-parent with love and in a very healthy and peaceful way. And it really is all about the children. And it's obvious in today's world, especially where divorce and separation is so prevalent, it really does take a village to raise a child. All right, Anna, before we go, I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready?
1: Okay, here we go. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I am. am.
0: <laughs> what is your absolute favorite book in existence? If you knew that every single person in the entire world would read this one book that you recommend, what would that one book
1: be? Well, honestly, I refer to it often uh, when clients call me or anybody who calls me who have trouble. It's The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It really teaches you the love language of each individual, what they're trying to say or what the, how they're trying to, their behavior, their behavior. It's understanding their behavior.
0: Yes, yes. That's an excellent book. And I recommend it to my clients as well. It's a great book. But I always tell people to, you know, the the golden rule, and this is biblical too, treat others as you would have them treat you or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I say, no, 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 not in relationships. You have to do unto others the way in which they need, the way in which they want. And that's one of the things that the love languages really teaches is that, you don't love a person the way in which you need and want to be loved. You have to learn the way that they're going to flourish and feel significant and feel appreciated and feel loved. It's an excellent book. Okay, next question. What is your favorite
1: way to show love to yourself? Hmm, good question. I would say me time and not feeling guilty about my me time. Hmm, because beautiful. Most, yeah, because most often we feel guilty when we give ourselves some me time. So yeah. it would be me time and not feeling guilty
0: especially as a parent, right? So, so important. (laughs) What one action from human beings would you like to see more of in the world? Compassion, empathy. Good one. Good one. Wonderful.
1: Okay. Anna, any parting words of wisdom you'd like to share before we go? Following up with the word compassion, I think this world would be a better place if we would all be good listeners and understanding each other's sensitivity, our hurt, the fear, because it reflects a lot our behavior. And it's not necessarily because we don't love the person. It's just by not having compassion from our partner or not being a good listener our behavior changes and so I'd like to say we should take the time to listen more to be seen to be heard and to be validated that's what we should do in our partnership in our love life relationship
0: agreed Anna how can people learn
1: more from you well, you can find me on my website, uh, www.annagenone, G-I-A-N-N-O-N-E, all in one word, .com. Wonderful,
0: wonderful. Co-parenting coach Anna Janone, thank you so much for spending time with us today on The Marriage Show.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Jennifer, for having me. And I am so honored to be on your show. And uh, it's amazing what you're doing. And I truly admire you for the work that you're doing, because we do need people to save these marriages, to prevent all these destructive and damaging emotions that are passed on to our children. So congratulations to you, Jennifer.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I love your work as well. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Marriage Show. I appreciate the time that you have taken to be with us today. If you love the show as much as I love making it, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with people you feel would find value here. Until next time, love one another.